Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Thank you so much for joining us on this special edition of the Good Fight Radio Show. We're going to be sitting down today with Tim Barnett of Stand to Reason, and I'm so excited to have him on the show. I'll give you a little bit of background on the first time I've heard about him, but I just want to welcome Tim Barnett to the Good Fight Radio Show. Hey, Chad. Thanks for having me. Let's go behind the scenes. How do you go about choosing certain tweets to talk about, Mm -hmm. and how do some just not make the cut? Yeah. This is a good question. Um, and, and if people who watch the videos, the Red Pen Logic videos, they're going to, every time I use kind of the same expression, I say, we want to help you assess bad ideas or bad thinking using good thinking. Plus, we try to have some fun while we're doing it. Okay. So there's, that's the main goal. We, I, we're going to assess bad thinking by using good thinking. But it's actually more than that from a Christian perspective, because some people show up at the channel and they just think, oh, this is just about logic. Well, it is about logic, it is about reason, but it's more than that. Uh, One of our goals is to protect the sheep from the world Mm -hmm. and from the wolves, okay? And so when we're looking at tweets, I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is this it, answering this particular tweet, is that going to help the sheep? Is that going to help other Christians from either a false idea from the world, or maybe it's a false idea that's impacting or influencing the church? So it's made its way in and it needs to be responded to. So um, what do we look for? Man, uh, first of all, it's got to be a challenge to Christianity. Um, someone just recently sent me a message. Hey, can you... Um, can you address flat earth stuff? And <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, that's kind of out of our wheelhouse, uh, unless it's something that's really impacting the church. Um, we probably, you know, won't touch it. So we're going to stick with theology, Christian theology, Christian morality. Um, another thing that it, it should include is it needs to be kind of a popular idea. Um, now that may, the tweet may have a lot of likes and it may not. Okay. Um, but as long as it's like something that's out there, um, that's deceiving people or or um, impacting the Christian community in a in a in a bigger way, um, then we're going to respond to that. It also has to have a fundamental error, okay? That we can that we can show either on the graphic or in the video, and use. We're going to exploit the flaw to train, help train Christians think better. So it's not just a matter of, I got you, you know, like when we dealt with Joel Osteen's tweet, it wasn't about beating up Joel Osteen. Okay. It was about, here's an idea. And whether it's Joel Osteen or if it's someone else making the claim, um, we're, we want you to know how to respond to the claim. Okay. And so we're looking at the error and here's how we think through it. And what I'm hoping is that when people, after seeing our videos, they come across, they're scrolling through social media. They're going to say, hey, this reminds me of that tweet. And they start to make application to the other bad tweets that are out there. Okay. So it's not just a matter of um, good uh, teaching people to think well. That's part of it. 
but it's also it's also about getting them to kind of catch the flow of what we're doing. Okay. I want them to pick it up. Some people say, you know, some things are better caught than taught. Okay. Well, we're teaching. That's the whole point. But there's kind of a flow to what we're doing. And I'm really hoping that people pick it up and, and run with it. And I'm telling you, I get emails every day on Facebook and Instagram saying, look, it, I read it. I did my own red pen. What do you think? You know, and that's, I mean, that just warms my heart that people are applying this to other tweets that we, I mean, we just don't have the time to go through everything that's out there. And then, and then finally, one thing is, and uh, we can come back to this later, maybe some tweets are just uh, too much. There's too much that needs to be said. So when I'm, when I'm looking at what tweets to respond to, there's some good ones that need a response, but I'm just thinking, man, I don't have enough red pen for this tweet. You know, it needs more than a graphic. It needs more than um, a, a five minute video. Okay. Now I'm actually playing around. This is the first you're hearing of it. Okay. Um, Cause we haven't told anybody about this, but there are some, there are some really bad uh, tweets that have been really popular lately that we're going to use multiple slides, multiple graphics to respond to. Um, and I don't think we've done that yet. Um, and so there's one that has to do with the word homosexuality being mm. invented in 1946 and being put into the Bible. There's actually a whole film coming yeah. out um, arguing for kind of a pro-gay theology. Um, and uh, we're going to do a, a, a thing on that. And then there's one on um, there's one c comparing Jesus, the colonial Jesus to the historical Jesus. And it just... Um, it's kind of like, you know, it's really the historic Jesus. Well, and there's some progressive Christianity kind of in there. And so we're doing a, a multiple uh, slide, probably a longer video on that. So those are just some of the, the ideas that we're looking for. Hey, can we spot the flaw? Can we communicate it clearly in the uh, small amount of space, a short amount of time? Because look at a lot of people are like, you know, you're so good at this, Mr. B. And you know what? It is a lot of work. Our job is to make it look easy. Okay. But it wasn't easy. Some of these, you know, they're hours of getting the wording just right. Or, or man, I, I, I got to cut this out, cut this out, cut this out. Cause the slide only holds so much room, you know, and I don't want to overwhelm people. So what's the main thing? It's a lot of work. Yeah, I I definitely understand that. I, I I can see it. And and as we move forward, we're actually gonna look at some of not only the videos, but some of the tweets that mm -hmm. you've actually gone through already. And if you go to the YouTube channel right now, if you go to Red Pen Logic, that's all you gotta search on YouTube and you will find it. If you go there and do what I always do, let's find if it's the first time I go to a channel. What's their most viewed video? What is the most viewed video? And I was surprised to find out that the most viewed video that you have on there has to do with a tweet regarding pro-life or pro-choice by actor John Fuglesong saying, I'm sorry if I'm messing yeah. that name up, but you actually address this one. So I thought it'd be kind of fun maybe for this next segment of the interview, if we could go through some of your most popular ones that you've addressed. And I think this one is, is really, really great. Yeah, Chad, I was so surprised that this 
was our, this would be our most popular uh, video. Um, nearly 90,000 views or getting close to 100,000, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, and it's, yeah, it's a pro, uh, life, um, uh, tweet. Well, it's really a pro choice tweet. Here's what it says. It's John Fogelsang. And I guess he's well known. I didn't know who he was. He's got the blue check mark next to his name. So I guess he's somebody. And, uh, and it says this, well, don't he's, and he's responding to the idea that life begins at conception because look at there's the pro-life position is that life begins at conception. All right. That's what we argue. And he says, well, don't tell God because the Bible says life begins at first breath. And then he says, sorry, I didn't write it. Okay. And so I, I saw this and it was being shared around on, on Twitter, retweeted, and it was being shared, screenshot, shared to Facebook and Instagram. So this thing's popping up. And so it's already meeting criteria like, man, maybe we should respond to this thing. So here's how, here's kind of how we go through this process. All right. First thing you do, you, you come up, come to a tweet, you read the tweet. Okay. So we just did, we read it. Now, what is, and you got to ask yourself this, and this is what I ask myself and Greg Kokel, he asked himself this too. When we do this together, he says, what is the, what is the fundamental flaw or the fundamental error? Can you spot it? And uh, so let's find it. Um, it. Well, he's he's saying that the Bible says he's making a claim about the Bible. The Bible says life begins at first breath. Now, this is interesting because what Fogelsang is doing, this is really clever, right? He's trying to show an inconsistency in the pro in the Christian pro-lifer. You see, the Christian pro-lifer, they they're a Christian, so they believe the Bible, right? And they're pro-life, so they believe life begins at conception. Uh-oh, here's, here's a conflict. Here's a contradiction. Which is it? Is it that the what the Bible says, that is, the life begins at first breath, or is it what this pro-life uh, movement is teaching, that life begins at conception? You see, how, you see the conflict? Now, when I saw this, I thought, well, wait a second. There's an assumption here. You see, and this is why we titled we titled this one, and this might be partly why it got so many uh, views. We said, the Bible doesn't say what he thinks it says. The Bible doesn't say what he thinks it says. See, this only works, this challenge only works if it's true that life begins, that the Bible teaches that life begins at first breath, okay? But that's the question, is that true? And so I started thinking, well, where does he get this idea? Because he doesn't say. Where does he get the idea that life begins at first breath? And I mean, the only place that you, you can really go to is the story of Adam and Eve, okay? And God kind of breathes life into Adam and he, he comes, comes to life. But here's the thing. And, uh, and this is something that I think is kind of just end of discussion. This, is, this answers the, the challenge. Genesis 2, in that description, is merely describing something that God does. It's not prescribing something for all of life, okay? There's a difference between a description and a prescription. A description just tells you what's going on. But when it, a prescription is what, is what um, how something ought to be or should be, okay? It's prescribing for the future. 
Um, and so uh, I, I mean, I just responded. I said something like, the Bible doesn't teach that every man comes to life at first breath, Genesis 2-7, any more than it teaches that every woman comes from the rib of a man, Genesis 2-22, right? So the fact that, and the point is, look, Eve came from the side or rib, you know, people will debate what the mean of the word is, but from the side of the man. Does that mean that all women from now on come from the side of a man? No, of course not. It was describing an event that happened in the past. And, and here's a description. So where do you get the idea of life beginning at first, uh, at conception? Well, that isn't taught in scripture explicitly, um, although there are some texts where the, I think the Bible recognizes life before first breath, like Psalm uh, 139, right? He formed my inward parts. He knitted me together in my mother's womb, right? Uh, or you go to the New Testament, you got this interaction between a pre-born Jesus and John the Baptist, right? John le leaps in his mother's womb. John isn't breathing at that point. He is in the womb, second trimester. So um, you've got this really cool interaction. And, and so how do, we, how do we know life begins at, at conception? Well, that's science and philosophy. And we put that in the video. So look at this is, again, spot the flaw, respond to the flaw. That's what we do. I think it's great. And you know what? I'm always excited when it comes to being able to give answers, especially for we're talking about babies being murdered in the womb. Yeah. And to have that as your most viewed video, I thought it was excellent. And now one of the other videos that went viral actually doesn't come from a tweet. It actually came from a comment on your comment section. And I saw yeah. that you challenged Mike Winger as well to do a response video. And I think you originally said, let's answer all 10 of these quote unquote proofs that 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 show you that God is not real, that there is no God. Yeah. And let's let's do an answer. And I think he came back and said, hey, maybe we should do three minutes. And then you actually answered these in three minutes. Yeah, this one's so funny because Mike, um, he's a friend and he's a I mean, he's a well-known YouTuber and he's solid theologically. And I he saw this. He spotted this in in the comment section of my channel. And uh, he's the one who said, man, I want to make a video on this. And I'm the one that, because the, the running joke with Winger is that all his videos are like an hour at least, okay? <laughs> yeah. Like he's just, he, yeah. but he dives deep into the subjects, right? Which is great. I mean, we need that. That's not what we do. And so the challenge was, look, Mike, do it in two minutes. And he's like, well, that's 12 seconds per challenge. And okay, that's not possible. M maybe three minutes then. So we 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 went back to we went kind of like uh, Mike Winger versus Mr. B, and it this was a hard one to do because there's you could do a whole video on each one of these challenges. Um, and so I don't know if we want to spend much time. I'll just briefly go over some of these because most of them are just a fallacy. We actually put a fallacy counter on our on our uh, video because each one has some kind of logical. Um, fallacy. It's bad thinking. And so we're going to answer it with good thinking. So the first one um, says the fact that a human being has to tell you about the existence of God proves there is no God. I mean, most people are going to say that is silly. 
That's a non sequitur. Just because someone has to tell you about something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So you could give so many examples. We said, well, teachers tell you about fractions, therefore fractions don't exist. No. Teachers have to tell you about electrons, therefore electrons don't exist. No. I mean, it, this is called a non sequitur. That is simp simply the conclusion, there is no God, does not follow from the premises. Okay. The second one, uh, a God belief is simple geography. Being raised in a, in a religious home decides which God you believe in. That's a textbook example of the genetic fallacy. Okay. Um, that is, you can't disqualify a belief simply by how someone came to hold the belief. Look at I. The, I mean, the atheist could be raised in an atheist home. Does that mean atheism is true or not true? No, it has something to do with that. You got to look at the reasons. You can't just look at how someone came to the belief. Maybe they came from good reasons. Maybe they came from bad reasons. Okay, we have to look at the reasons. So another fallacy: uh, there was no time for the Big Bang. So that means that there was no time for God to exist in or create things in. This is a this is a, a straw man. This does not understand Christian theology. We don't believe that God was just sitting around in time and then create. No, he, he there was no time. And this is really weird to talk about. God is eternal, but he was before prior to creation. He was not in time. OK, at least. I mean, that's what uh, traditionally theologians have argued. Um, I mean, and we could just keep going down the list. I don't know if you want to do all of these. Um, it's up to you. Yeah, but yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. You can, you okay. can, you can attack all these. Ones. Okay. Num number four: <laughs> the Abrahamic God cannot exist because it wasn't the first God to be created. There are other gods that have been proclaimed to exist before this God. They can't all be true. So we can deny the existence of one of these gods. Gods we can deny by the same method. All of them. <clears throat> Does that work? No. Of course, it doesn't work because. Well, for starters, think about, and I use the illustration of science. There's been theories that have been shown to be false, right? People used to hold to them, but now they're false. We've moved on. Does that mean the current theory is automatically false? No, it doesn't follow again. It's a non sequitur. So just like with the same with gods, you, you could have these ideas of God that are false and yet still have a true God, okay? The, the the bad ones don't disqualify the, the, the true one. The false ones don't disqualify the, the true one. Uh, this one was a little bit trickier, number five, because it has to do with the problem of evil, which deserves its own video. Um, God either allows the devil to exist and is an accomplice or isn't all-powerful God. An all-powerful and all-loving uh, loving God wouldn't allow the devil to exist. That's simply not true. It's a false dichotomy. And most people recognize that this kind of logical problem of evil doesn't work. If you can think of good reasons why God would permit evil, then this challenge fails. And I think there are good reasons why God allows evil. Um, so it's a false dichotomy. Number six, the God of the Bible is a jeal jealous of other gods. This proves that this God is not the only one with multiple choices, only shows that there is no reason to choose just one. Stop right there. I'm a teacher. I give multiple choice tests all the time. We give multiple choices, but guess what? There's a right answer as part of the choices. So this is just silly, okay? With multiple choices only shows there's no reason to choose just one. No, there might be good evidence to choose just one. 
Okay, so again, this is this is silly. Also, the Bible um, uses the word Elohim, God, in many different meanings. Okay, uh, sons of God, sons of Elohim, angels are referred to Elohim. You have um, human beings referred to Elohim. So um, this is just silly again. Also, false. I mean, idols are referred in the same way. Number seven, there is no evidence that spiritual energy exists. So we can conclude that psychics, ghosts, and gods are non-existent. Otherwise, God has nothing to be made of. Oh, another straw man, okay? Um, God is immaterial. He's not made of anything. He's not made of spiritual energy, whatever that is. You know, like this is, again, this doesn't understand the concept of God. And here's a really important point. If you're going to critique a view, you should understand the view you're critiquing. And what um, Brian Doyle has made clear so far is that he does not understand our view. And that's why, by the way, when he posted this in the comments, my response was, is this a joke? Because I actually thought this was maybe a Christian kind of making making fun of these kinds of arguments. I thought it was a literal a joke. I did not think that this person was taking these challenges seriously. Number eight, uh, there's no such thing as nothing for nothing to exist would cause it to be something. Creationists believe that God created the universe out of nothing. Again, this is uh, this is an equivocation on the word nothing. We do not believe that God made the world out of this stuff we call nothing. We believe that God did not make the world out of anything. And that's what we mean by out of nothing, not out of any material. Okay. Again, misunderstanding. Number nine, this isn't a finely tuned world created with us in mind. How does he know? He says the sun gives you cancer. Most of the water is undrinkable. Diseases run rampant. Um, if there was an intelligent designer, there wouldn't be any mistakes. There are lots of problems with this. I wrote imperfect design is consistent with design in a broken world. That's one part. But just because something is imperfectly designed does not mean it's designed. Look, at I have uh, my cell phone here. You could find some imperfections in my cell phone and that would, does that mean it's not designed? Of course not. Okay. Like software glitches. The other day I was on Facebook and it just kept crashing. What's up with that? Imperfect design. Does that mean no one designed those things? No, of course not. Um, and of course, just because I can't drink the ocean or antifreeze or whatever, doesn't mean that God didn't finally tune the universe. Okay. It means that there's certain purposes for certain things. And ocean water is not for me to drink, okay? Um, just like antifreeze isn't for me to drink. Finally, evolution is obviously proven and true. This means that we weren't created by magic and are somehow superior to the animal kingdom. No creator, no God. And I just wrote, again, this is, this is not good thinking. Um, <laughs> evolution doesn't disprove God. Now, he's assuming it's proven and true. I'd like to know what he means by that and ask a bunch of questions, but... At the end of the day, evolution could be true and God can still exist. Okay. It's not like evolution somehow just destroys all the good arguments for God's existence, like the fine tuning or the cosmological or the moral argument. So um, this, uh, th this is a silly argument as well. Yeah, no, I think you did a great job with that. I, I loved, I, I watched both yours and Mike's responses uh, it's cool because you see the, like I said, I, one thing I love about the body of Christ, you see the hands and feet at work. So you see definitely your guys' different styles. And as you said, a lot of Mike's stuff is really long, you know, and that's one of our issues here at Good Fight. Most of our stuff is 
really long. So it is really nice to find these short, quick answers that you can grab a hold of and say, wow, if I'm on the streets or if I'm in an elevator or I'm at the water cooler or whatever it may be, that you can have these quick answers. You can be ready to defend your faith. And this is stuff that we need in the hands of people. That's why I'm encouraging everyone, go subscribe to Tim Barnett's channel, Red Pen Logic. You just literally search that on YouTube. You're going to find it. Hey, let's go over another one. Now, that one, I would say, I, I those are very common internet arguments that you kind of yeah. went over. But this one is one you might hear in a philosophy class. People might bring this one up. And I believe... If I remember correctly, it might be from a professor, if I remember correctly, Dr. Mark D'Arcy, who said this. And like I said, this is a common objection, so it is good. And I've heard this asked, young people asking each other because somebody took their first philosophy class and they've said this. And they said, hey, oh no, how do I answer this? And it's, can God create a stone that cannot be lifted? If yes, then he is not all powerful since he himself cannot lift it. If he cannot create a stone that cannot be lifted, then he is not all-powerful. Either way, God is not all-powerful. Hashtag humanism, hashtag atheism. Now, how on earth did you get out of that one? Yeah, this, I mean, this one goes back a long ways. I mean, this is not a new challenge. It's been around for a while. And uh, again, it's trying to show some kind of incoherence in, in our belief in God, in particular with omnipotence. So what... Again, what's the what's the fatal flaw? What is the fundamental flaw? And when I look at this, the fundamental flaw I see is he does not understand what we mean by omnipotence. Okay, so this is why when on the graphic, you can see right at the top there, we put omnipotence. Is it the power to do anything, which is what's kind of assumed in the challenge? Or is the power to do anything rationally coherent or some might say logically impossible? And, uh, and what we're going to say is, uh, sorry, logically possible. And, and what we want to say is that it's the latter. It's the power to do anything that is rationally coherent. And so for God to use his power to defeat his power is not something that is rationally coherent. Okay. It's like, can God beat himself in an arm wrestle? Well, I mean, that's just weird, right? What are you talking about? I mean, it makes no sense. And so the, 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 the challenge is like, if God can't defeat himself, then he's not all powerful. Really? Is that, is that what we want to argue? Um, and of course, there's lots of things that we know God can't do. God can't lie, right? Because he's morally perfect. Um, God can't, you know, get his sums wrong because he's the God of mathematics, right? Um, he, there's, there's lots of things out there where we would say God can't do, but it's not the can't is being used kind of in a way that's um, showing his perfection, not a limitation. So when we say God can't lie, it's like, oh, poor God. No, the can't is in lying, okay? And when we say God can't do the logically impossible, it's because he is logical, So the task of God using omnipotence to defeat his omnipotence is actually not a task at all. It's a logical absurdity. It's like a married bachelor or a square circle. Can God make a square circle? Well, I mean, that's just a weird question. It's not, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's meaningless because there's no such thing as a square circle. So you can see here that this is just a sophisticated challenge 
But once you uh, uh, understand, or it seems like a sophisticated challenge, but once you see the problem, the flaw in how they he's understanding omnipotence, being all powerful, well, then the challenge kind of evaporates. No, I think this is absolutely wonderful. And one of the things I, I love about this is that once again, between this and all of the other arguments, what you've done over and over again is take bad thinking and make it good thinking. And I love that saying, and it's a very simplistic saying, and I think it's very scriptural when it comes to Second Corinthians as well, when we read very clearly that we are destroying those speculations and every lofty thing brought up against the knowledge of God and bringing it captive to the obedience of Christ. And, you know, I am so blessed by your ministry, Tim Barnett. I, I think you're doing an awesome job, and I want to encourage everyone before we say goodbye, I want to encourage you guys, please go subscribe, go click the like, go, you know, click the little bell so you get notifications when new videos are coming out. So you guys can be encouraged as well. I want you guys to hopefully have answers when people make these bad arguments and bring them captive to the obedience of Christ. So I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Good Fight Radio Show, Tim Barnett. Thanks for having me. God bless, guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.